This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. While the Auto Waits, a short story by O. Henry, the pen name of William Sidney Porter. Promptly at the beginning of twilight came again in that quiet corner of that quiet small park the girl in grey. She sat upon a bench and read a book, for there was yet to come a half-hour in which print could be accomplished. To repeat, her dress was grey and plain enough to mark its impeccancy of style and fit. A large meshed veil imprisoned her turban hat and a face that shone through it with a calm and unconscious beauty. She had come there at the same hour on the day previous, and on the day before that, and there was one who knew it. The young man who knew it hovered near, relying upon burnt sacrifices to the great Joss Luck. His piety was rewarded, for in turning a page her book slipped from her fingers and bounded from the bench a full yard away. The young man pounced upon it with instant avidity, returning it to its owner with that air that seems to flourish in parks and public places, a compound of gallantry and hope, tempered with respect for the policeman on the beat. In a pleasant voice, he risked an inconsequent remark upon the weather, that introductory topic responsible for so much of the world's unhappiness, and stood poised for a moment, awaiting his fate. The girl looked him over leisurely, at his ordinary neat dress, and his features distinguished by nothing particular in the way of expression. "'You may sit down, if you like,' she said, in a full, deliberate contralto. "'Really, I would like to have you do so. The light is too bad for reading. I would prefer to talk.' The vassal of luck slid upon the seat by her side with complaisance. "'Oh, do you know,' he said, speaking the formula with which park chairmen open their meetings, that you are quite the stunningest girl I have seen in a long time. I had my eye on you yesterday. Didn't know somebody was bowled over by those pretty lamps of yours, did you, honeysuckle? Whoever you are, said the girl in icy tones, you must remember that I am a lady. I will excuse the remark you have just made, because the mistake was doubtless not an unnatural one in your circle. I asked you to sit down, if the invitation must constitute me your honeysuckle, consider it withdrawn. I earnestly beg your pardon, pleaded the young man. His expression of satisfaction had changed to one of penitence and humility. It was my fault, you know. I mean, there are girls in parks, you know. That is, of course, you don't know, but... Abandon the subject, if you please. Of course I know. Now, tell me about these people passing and crowding each way along these paths. Where are they going? Why do they hurry so? Are they happy? The young man had promptly abandoned his air of coquetry. His cue was now for a waiting part. He could not guess the role he would be expected to play. It is interesting to watch them, he replied, postulating her mood. It is the wonderful drama of life. Some are going to supper and some to uh, other places. One wonders what their histories are. I do not, said the girl. I am not so inquisitive. I come here to sit, because here only can I be near the great, common, throbbing heart of humanity. My part in life is cast where its beats are never felt. Can you surmise why I spoke to you, Mr. Uh, Parkenstacker, supplied the young man. Then he looked eager and hopeful. 
no said the girl holding up a slender finger and smiling slightly you would recognize it immediately it is impossible to keep one's name out of print or even one's portrait this veil and this hat of my maid furnish me with an incog you should have seen the chauffeur stare at it when he thought i did not see candidly there are five or six names that belong in the holy of holies and mine by the accident of birth is one of them i spoke to you mr stankenpot parkenstacker corrected the young man modestly mr parkenstacker because i wanted to talk for once with a natural man one unspoiled by the despicable gloss of wealth and supposed social superiority oh you do not know how weary i am of it money 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 and of the men who surround me dancing like little marionettes all cut by the same pattern i am sick of pleasure of jewels of travel of society of luxuries of all kinds i always had an idea ventured the young man hesitatingly that money must be a pretty good thing a competence is to be desired but when you have so many millions that she concluded the sentence with a gesture of despair it is the monotony of it she continued that paul's drives dinners theatres balls suppers with the gilding of superfluous wealth over it all sometimes the very tinkle of the ice in my champagne glass nearly drives me mad mr parkenstacker looked ingenuously interested i have always liked he said to read and hear about the ways of wealthy and fashionable folks i suppose i am a bit of a snob but i like to have my information accurate now i had formed the opinion that champagne is cooled in the bottle and not by placing ice in the glass the girl gave a musical laugh of genuine amusement you should know she explained in an indulgent tone that we of the non-useful class depend for our amusement upon departure from precedent just now it is a fad to put ice in champagne the idea was originated by a visiting prince of tartary while dining at the waldorf it will soon give way to some other whim just as at a dinner party this week on madison avenue a green kid glove was laid by the plate of each guest to be put on and used while eating olives i see admitted the young man humbly these special diversions of the inner circle do not become familiar to the common public sometimes continued the girl acknowledging his confession of error by a slight bow i have thought that if ever i should love a man it would be one of lowly station one who is a worker and not a drone but doubtless the claims of caste and wealth will prove stronger than the inclination just now i am besieged by two one is a grand duke of a german principality i think he has or has had a wife somewhere driven mad by his intemperance and cruelty the other is an english marquis so cold and mercenary that i even prefer the diabolism of the duke what is it that impels me to tell you these things mr parkenstacker parkenstacker breathed the young man indeed you cannot know how much i appreciate your confidences the girl contemplated him with a calm impersonal regard that befitted the difference in their stations what is your line of business mr parkenstacker she asked a very humble one but i hope to rise in the world were you really in earnest when you said that you could love a man of lowly position indeed i was but i said might there is the grand duke and the marquis you know yes no calling could be too humble were the man what i would wish him to be i work declared mr parkenstacker in a restaurant the girl shrank slightly not as a waiter she said a little imploringly 
Labor is noble, but personal attendance, you know, valets and... I am not a waiter. I am cashier in... On the street they faced that bounded the opposite side of the park was the brilliant electric sign, Restaurant. I am cashier in that restaurant you see there. The girl consulted a tiny watch set in a bracelet of rich design upon her left wrist, and rose hurriedly. She thrust her book into a glittering reticule suspended from her waist, for which, however, the book was too large. "'Why are you not at work?' she asked. "'I am on the night turn,' said the young man. "'It is yet an hour before my period begins. May I not hope to see you again?' "'I do not know. Perhaps, but the whim may not seize me again.' I must go quickly now. There is a dinner, and a box at the play, and oh, the same old round. Perhaps you noticed an automobile at the upper corner of the park as you came, one with a white body. And red running gear, asked the young man, knitting his brows reflectively. Yes, I always come in that. Pierre waits for me there. He supposes me to be shopping in the department store across the square. Conceive of the bondage of life wherein we must deceive even our chauffeurs. Good night. But it is dark now, said Mr. Parkenstacker, and the park is full of rude men. May I not walk? If you have the slightest regard for my wishes, said the girl firmly, you will remain at this bench for ten minutes after I have left. I do not mean to accuse you, but you are probably aware that autos generally bear the monogram of their owner. Again, good night. Swift and stately, she moved away through the park. The young man watched her graceful form as she reached the pavement at the park's edge and turned up along it towards the corner where the automobile stood. Then he treacherously and unhesitatingly began to dodge and skim among the park trees and shrubbery in a course parallel to her route, keeping her well in sight. When she reached the corner... She turned her head to glance at the motor-car, and then passed it, continuing on across the street. Sheltered behind a convenient standing cab, the young man followed her movements closely with his eyes. Passing down the sidewalk of the street opposite the park, she entered the restaurant with the blazing sign. The place was one of those frankly glaring establishments, all white paint and glass, where one may dine cheaply and conspicuously. The girl penetrated the restaurant, to some retreat at its rear, whence she quickly emerged without her hat and veil. The cashier's desk was well to the front. A red-haired girl on the stool climbed down, glancing pointedly at the clock as she did so. The girl in grey mounted in her place. The young man thrust his hands into his pockets and walked slowly back along the sidewalk. At the corner his foot struck a small paper-covered volume lying there, sending it sliding to the edge of the turf. By its picturesque cover he recognized it as the book the girl had been reading. He picked it up carelessly and saw that its title was New Arabian Nights, the author being of the name of Stevenson. He dropped it again upon the grass and lounged irresolute for a minute. Then he stepped into the automobile, reclined upon the cushions, and said two words to the chauffeur, Club, Henri. The end of the recording of While the Auto Waits by O. Henry.